Welcome back, inebriates. Uh, this is Andy, as always. And last episode, we recorded our first episode in our new podcast studio. But today, we're back on Zoom because um, I feel like Zoom is all is firmly implanted itself in all of our lives. Um, and today, I have two guests. I'm joined by Scott Lever and Adrian Cress of Devil Comes at Night. Um, I mean, let's just give us the syn- elevator pitch synopsis of what the movie's about. I mean, I read it on IMDb, but. Yeah, well, I guess I'll, uh, Scott here, in case you didn't know, this wasn't Adrian. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm the director, uh, co-writer with Adrian and uh, Ryan Allen, who stars in the movie as well. Uh, the elevator pitch. It's a horror movie. Uh, basically, a washed up boxer uh, must fight for his life when he finds himself trapped in his father's farmhouse by a local cannibal cult. The classic local cannibal cults, you know. Yeah, you know, everyone's all have one. Right? Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, yes. I actually saw cannibals and my brain auto replaced it with zombies. And I'm like, oh, another zombie film. And I'm like, oh, no, it's not. It's just cannibals. Um, <laughs> to be fair, we are both big fans of the zombie genre. So uh, I, I do I love it. Um, not averse to that. But yeah. no, these are living cannibals. <laughs> so uh, uh, Adrian, you wrote it. Scott, did you say you wrote as well or just... I was a co-writer on it for okay. uh, Adrian and Ryan. Yeah. So, uh, who who had the initial idea? Like, how does it come about? I'm I'm fast. I love working in a collaborative way, so I'm fascinated how like you guys perform that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I knew I wanted to make a horror movie, so I think uh, I knew I wanted to work with Ryan Allen, who's the le- other lead in the movie, and. I wasn't quite sure how we were going to do it. So I approached Adrian, I approached Ryan and I had sort of this spark of an idea of sort of a, um, the anti invasion movie. So as opposed to a horror movie where people are trying to break into a house, what if you spent a night in a house where you slowly realize people are trying to lure you out of a house? Oh, okay. And so we kind and of, also- have- yeah, go ahead. No, no, just how on earth you can make that suspenseful. Like, if you're safe in the house, yay, you win. Two-second movie and scene, right? Right, right. Yeah, I definitely would say uh, Scott was sort of the genesis for the idea. Um, Not to tell too many tales out of school, but Scott and I are actually married. So he's stuck with me in this apartment, and especially at the time during COVID. So that was when we wrote it, and that all started. So... um, I, I'm a writer. I'm we're all actors as well, including Scott. Um, but uh, I'm I'm a writer. I write novels for uh, children and teens. And I've recently been writing the Bendy and the Ink Machine books, which is a video game series. And I write the tie-ins, and that's a horror game series. And that was sort of my first foray into horror. So when Scott was sort of mulling over this horror idea, I was like, Oh, me too, me too. I, I would like <laughs> to. So so yeah, and then and uh, and as he said, he'd been he's he's worked with uh, Ryan uh, before. He directed um, and produced uh, a few series that he's uh, Ryan has also been in. But this was like, no, let's we we love this guy. We we need his voice. We need his um, just his energy. So yeah, so we all then created a little team. Do you think being in lockdown led to part of that? idea of being kind of like in a house quote unquote safe and being worked out i'm sure that it didn't hurt the like to be in a similar circumstance in a way um it funny enough like it was kind of a love letter to like not the original night of the living dead and 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 sort of those other classic 
uh, horror, uh, like trapped in a cabin in the woods. Because mm-hmm. I think COVID sort of helped give us that initial push because a lot of us, uh, I work uh, as film crew, a lot of my friends are film crew. And I think that was really helpful because when we all lost our gigs, when COVID shut everything down, we were kind of like, all right, let's just get everybody together and go up into the woods and make a horror movie and we'll make our own work and we'll just have a blast uh, making this film. And that was a big part of uh, how we were able to do it was the lockdowns. And of course, we had to follow COVID protocols, which were extremely strict at the time. So our crew was was very, very tiny. And for example, our costume designer and our production designer had to do it basically remotely. They weren't even in the same town because we could only have so many people on set at any given time. It was uh, it was very challenging, but it's one of the reasons we got it done. Yeah, it, it's COVID was such a weird thing. And I remember at the time we were talking right before we started recording that, you know, uh, I'm a visual artist and I, I draw. I had zero like creative motivation during COVID. It just like really hit me. And I just, you know, I sat around and watched Tiger King and whatever the hell else people were binging at the <laughs> well, time. Who yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like when I look back, th- I, that was the moment, you know, I got laid off from my day job and I was just like, well, now's the time to make an art become what it can be. And, you know, so I'm, I'm just curious how many people like have had that where it, 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 almost gave them time that they needed to kind of work on something. Well, I mean, it's it's actually really fascinating because on the one hand, it was a psychological mindfuck, uh, oh, lockdowns sure. and being, you know, uh, on the other hand, at least for me, so as I said, so as Scott just said, he works uh, in, in films, so he's out and about. I'm at home in my little garret writing books, right? Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was very much like that um, scene from, I, I saw this meme going around of the Hulk, um, from the first Avengers film where he's like, I'm always, the secret is I'm always angry kind of yep. thing, but they changed it to I'm always anxious. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm like, I'm I'm super mellow at the beginning of, of COVID because I'm like, yeah, welcome to my world. Living in a little ball of anxiety in your home. Is that just not what everyone does? <laughs> so in a weird way at the beginning of the pandemic, it, it honestly, for me, um, it, it almost felt like business as usual. But what ended up actually happening with COVID, aside from it being a moment where we had, so a lot of the people involved in this film are filmmakers and actors who are working constantly. Mm -hmm. So we suddenly had access to these incredible, this incredible talent that might not have otherwise been available at the same time, you know, in the same place and to create. But the other thing was Scott and I got married in the fall of 2019. We were very lucky that we didn't choose the spring of 2020, like we were thinking. And um, we couldn't go on our honeymoon. Uh, We wanted to go to the UK. We have friends and relatives there and we couldn't. So we were like, well, um, you want to make a movie instead? So you knew, I I personally felt like I knew I'd met my soulmate when we decided to take our honeymoon funds to make this movie. And weirdly, that's also thanks to COVID. You know, we, we couldn't travel. So we decided to make a movie instead. I love you so much. Let's make a movie where people eat each other. <laughs> yes. it's, That's it's pretty much how it went. Yeah. Like, I think there's a Jane Austen book about that, I'm, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, so was it a benefit or more challenging to work being a married <laughs> couple? 
Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if anybody couldn't see, I uh, sipped my tea there. Um, no, no, it, it was a genuine benefit. I mean, we work really well together. Um, and I think it, it helps, you know, we're both in the arts. We both come from from a creative background. So we we have a vocabulary to work together. And we also know when to shut that off and just be <laughs> just be home and a married couple. And there's no work talk. And like, we're very good with that. And it was actually wonderful because uh, with making film, you, you kind of live together. You kind of become a family. So we were we all- had all these extra kids all of a sudden. We <laughs> mom and dad. And then we had, you know. I mean, I think they'd argue that they got the extra kids and we got extra parents. But yes, yeah. in some ways, especially. Yeah. Uh, but, no, but, and I, I agree. And it's not also the first time we've worked together. In fact, before we even were, were dating, we, we we started as friends. We met the way all actors do. We met in a play um, and we were friends first. And uh, then I actually auditioned for one of the projects that he and uh, uh, Sean Ahmed, who um, plays uh, Jay in the film and is also a co-producer on The Devil Comes at Night. And they, the two of them has, have also co-produced and co-directed many things together. And I auditioned for one of their things and they actually hired me, which is nice. <laughs> Otherwise I'd still be bitter to this day. <laughs> I hold grudges. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I've, I've been directed by them. I've worked with them. I've, we've already had that relationship before we had a relationship. Um, I'm not sure it is for everybody. Like we have such a foundation where it, like that's just part of our relationship since the beginning, but I, I don't know if everybody could do it. Although I do, I want to pretend that we're like Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh, you know, like I feel like they really are. <laughs> oh, oh, movies, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that just having that mental wherewithal to be like, all right, we're, we're shutting off work now and, <laughs> Uh, you know, and watching movies because that, yeah, because we, we shut down the movie making to watch movies, to watch movies. Hey. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so me and my business partner, uh, like we we're best friends before, and so not like it's so hard to be like, even when you're like, oh, we're gonna go do something else, be like, oh, oh, did I forgot to tell you this email? And it's so hard to kind of just shut that off, it really <laughs> is. And I'm not saying we're, we're perfect at it, but it's um, it's sort of, it's sort of necessary, it's and and I think regardless of even relationships you have with people as a creator. And I don't think sometimes people who aren't in the creative field understand this. It's like, it's not just about working hours. It's not nine to five. And then you go home and you do your thing. You're constantly, you're constantly thinking and creating and being inspired or being frustrated or taking it with you, the weight of everything with you. So it's, it is sort of almost a 24 seven obsession. You're kind of go a little nutty as a creative person, <laughs> to be fair. Um, and so when you're already constantly thinking and then your partner is constantly thinking, to turn all of that off and to just sort of have a no, you know, no movie talk, you know, tonight, we're just going to have a date night and go out and hang out and stuff. You, you do actually have to articulate it. You have to be specific. You can't just hope the other person can read your mind. And that's where communication comes in and fortunately you know when you're you're married uh, uh, to a director they're very good at communication so that's okay sometimes sometimes <laughs> but it, I, I think it's it's interesting because uh you know you know what they say you know lucky in podcasting unlucky in love um <laughs> oh but <laughs> but no it's like everyone i've ever dated i think has been a 
what I would call a non-creative person. And it, it frequently even indirectly was a bit of an issue, you know, because they didn't get the mindset and, you know, kind of, it's about a balance. It's like, it's, it's, I, I, I have, I have some uh, friends who are very creative and they have partners who are not in that industry, but where it works is the respect for it. It's, it's, you can, it's easy to be dismissive of, oh, you're just making up stories. Well, that's fun. I have to, you know, go sit. I in have a quote, real job. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and there are, this is not to negate the challenges of all, like I, every job and, and as, actors we've done a lot of other jobs um so i yeah we know we know the challenges with with any kind of working right but the key thing is respect and i think that's what you have to have with relationships i think that's also what you have on a, a film set i i think like scott was saying earlier with with how small our crew was because of covid protocols and it's also a very small cast it's what a cast of Oh gosh, <laughs> seven or eight. It's a, it's a, it's a very small cast. Um, it was such a collaborative experience. And I think what Scott does really well as a director um, is he has this patience to, to listen and really take on other people's ideas and, and really give things a try and putting uh, any, any potential ego, not to say you have a big ego, Scott, but like, <laughs> any ego, we all have an ego, aside and and listening, again, listening, communicating. Um, I think yeah, I think that was is, is a huge boon. And I think he's very good at that. And I also think it shows in the film. I think you can, I don't know, maybe just because we were there, but I really think when you watch it, you can see a real ensemble. And even if you don't really understand how that ensemble works behind the camera, I don't know. Vibes, man. I think you can tell. I think you can tell. I feel like sometimes the most creative things come out from having, you know, an extreme limitation. Do you feel like having that small crew, like, was it an actual benefit opposed to having, you know, a bigger, more, you know, robust team? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like the saying, <clears throat> like more money more problems like yeah. and it is it is true in film as well like like bigger budgets just mean newer different problems like i've worked on uh i've i worked as a in a production office for star trek and and uh, the murdoch mysteries some some of some bigger shows some smaller shows um and the the challenges will always find you in filmmaking i find that there's different challenges for for example a little indie movie like ours where you're you know, where you you don't have a grip team, basically, and, like, I'm helping move a light, or, like, you know, our, our DP is is basically also lighting. It's a, it's, it's a, definitely those are their challenges there, but then once you get up into the high, massive budget shows, they have their own challenges, and I think that's why film people are just such incredible, hardworking crew and cast uh, people, because... It, it is challenging and it is long days and it is hard work and you have to kind of execute excellence at all times despite whatever challenges come up and i and it just makes me appreciate how good our crew was at the time so i think if we had, had more money we would have had different challenges basically <laughs> i think sometimes uh from the writing end of things uh having some parameters even greater creativity can come out of that i've written books that are entirely my own uh, invention. I've written, you know, tie-ins like the the Bendy books, as I already said. And I find having 
those limitations make me super creative and really, you know, get the the synapses firing. And I think with this movie going into it, knowing how small our budget was, um, knowing pretty early on that we were going to shoot uh, at, at my, my, my parents' cottage um, <laughs> in a single location um, and knowing that going into writing. So the script was written specifically for that space. It wasn't written for a house in a woods. It was written knowing that there was going to be a wall of windows and that it goes up to the second floor and there's a balcony across and all of that stuff. Um, in a weird, in, in a way that actually, you know, sparks more creativity and, and knowing, okay, so a lot of this is going to be Ryan by himself and then eventually me and Ryan. And so it's, we like, this is going to be a, a character study on top of being sort of this action filled horror movie. And that then dictates structure and and um and what people are going to say and everything and and also it dictates casting because everyone i think yeah i think every single actor in this cast has a theater background and it really is a bit like a play this movie it's it's a one location there's there's lots of dialogue and um and so you needed to have actors who who had that as a strength and, and everybody was amazing and also we happened to have two who were opera singers um, so they would like okay. make up songs uh, while we would cut, um, including Ryan, the lead. So I, I sort of think we should turn into an opera someday. I, I think <laughs> that's my personal thought. A musical um, cannibal movie? Comes at night, musical? The opera. Yeah. yeah, I think there's actually a cannibal musical out there called Cannibal the Musical. I think <laughs> the Evil Dead guy. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what? I think that does sound right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they beat you to it. <laughs> but no Uh, it definitely like taking like what like you know obviously we have multiple locations but you know different parts of the house and stuff like that but just being able to keep because film is a visual medium keeping things visually interesting as well when the character is trapped somewhere and like finding ways to use the location interesting ways like that sort of uh budget and those sort of limitations you give yourself are sort of a uh, requirements uh, to get pretty creative. And our DP, Nelson Rogers, who we've mentioned before, is just fantastic. And and I think I think he would probably say likewise about it, it being like, you know, solving problems can breed inspiration, can breed innovation kind of thing. Because the two of you, Scott, just like watching the two of them sit and just talk through shots. I, don't, I, I think it's a, I mean... <laughs> I am a co-producer on it, but I feel like I'm allowed to say, I think it's a really beautifully shot film. Um, <laughs> and I'm really impressed. <laughs> now, you were talking about, you know, um, visuals and whatnot. And I have to say, this took me an embarrassing long time to realize what your shirt is. Your shirt is the carpet from The Shining. Oh, yes? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, it, it is. It, is a, it was a gift from my wife, actually. That, yes. that is... Uh, <laughs> That is very stylish. I have. Uh, I also bought myself a pair of actually two pairs of earrings. So one, the pattern that he's wearing right now, the the carpet, and then one that is um, a key on one ear, and then the sort of the the key thingy attached to it that tells you your room number. And oh hotel. yeah, 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 yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Keychain is that Keychain, what it's called? I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a writer. I know words. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and it has yeah, and it's 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 that as well. Um, yeah, it's a good shirt though, right? That's a good shirt. It's it's pretty pretty sharp. Um, <laughs> it's my favorite horror movie. I just love it. So it's a big fan. Yeah. Adrian, do you have a Richard Gorey shirt? 
Is that? Uh, yes, an Edregor. I have. Edregor, um, sorry. Yes, I have, I have the Gashley yeah. Crumb Tinies. Nice. He is yes. a uh, local person here. Is he? Yeah, he's uh, there's like a uh, one of one of his houses is on uh, Cape Cod. And uh, I, I am I am like obsessed. a cat sanctuary now or something weird. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> well, he did illustrate um, cats. The, the, yeah. There is a version of uh, of Elliot's uh, T.S. Elliot's cats that he has illustrated. I love him. I have a um, a Dracula uh, theater like you can buy this Dracula theater that you sort of put together like a little. Oh, like cool. A, Paper okay. character, yeah. a little tiny. Um, no, his art. I mean, speaking because because you're you're an artist. Um, you would uh, you would know. I, I just think his stuff is amazing. I have his his books, and the Gashi Crumb Tinies are so good. And my favorite is N is for Neville who died of ennui. I that got that for letter. my youngest. I think <laughs> two Christmases ago, <laughs> maybe three. It's so yeah. good, and also I think my favorite um, of his books is the Doubtful Guest because it's I just love this random creature walking around and everyone being puzzled by it. I don't know. I like a good deal of absurdity in, in my writing. Well, you <laughs> guys seem to, and then Adrian sat me down. I think when we were still dating, and yeah, I read you the book and it's read it short. to me. The like, no, you need to read this now. <laughs> It takes you 10 minutes. It's like a yeah. less. It's just a little picture book, but it's so charming. But yeah, his art, the elongated um, uh, the, the characters. And you were saying that you're doing these single line drawings right mm -hmm. now. And even if Gory isn't a single line drawing artist, you could conceivably, like, there is a simplicity to his art that yeah, for sure. almost break down to that. Yeah, um, yeah I do. We, big fan. <laughs> so you guys are obviously big horror fans. Like, what what is it? And and even why cannibals like why why was that where <laughs> you guys landed i mean for me like i grew up like eating horror. humans yeah with inner <laughs> demons and horror yeah you know my life was not i grew up in a haunted house no i um, <laughs> no uh like for me i think horror is such an interesting genre because it it l introduces you to a part of yourself you would never meet unless you were in a really dire situation like those emotions you feel are meant to be hidden away until your like life is in danger. And horror is just like this amazing playground that lets you shake hands with that side of yourself in a safe environment. And you sort of become a more whole person because you've learned a little bit more about yourself and you've got to experience something safely that you would never experience. And I just think that's so special with when it comes to horror. It's like a amazing thrill ride and I've always loved it. I um I've, I've I've studied a lot of random things uh, when I was at university, um, and one of the, one of the classes I loved so much was uh, architecture from 1750 to 1900. <laughs> like a very okay. quick window, and in that time period, um, that's sort of when they coined. Uh, well, the, the term sublime existed obviously as a word, but it was a very specific term that they used, the sublime, which was this idea of creating almost a horror feeling like a sense of awe to the point of fear, mm -hmm. but that it was still safe. So if you would look, for example, at, up at like a Gothic cathedral and this, they use this a lot in religious iconography um, where you look up and it's looming over you and towering. And some of the figures, you know, gargoyles and stuff can look quite dangerous and scary. And you would feel that sense of fear, but it was also kind of exciting and it would inspire awe. And especially in a religious context, you know, it would bring you in. 
Um, and another, you know, contemporary version that would be uh, like, like Scott insinuated a roller coaster, like a literal, like, I think there's something about the human uh, spirit that wants to feel these feelings, but only in a safe way. <laughs> um, we don't really want to be being chased by a chainsaw uh, a murdering person thing. Um, well, I don't know, maybe some people do. That's you. Like, Fair enough. <laughs> Don't want to like shame anybody. But, but we'll um, go to haunted attractions and pretend. yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's there's and I think what Scott's saying about like you you do you can learn a bit more about yourself and you get to sort of feel feelings. I also just think that there's a lot of like in in any good movie you're going to have it's good stories and interesting themes and conversations mm-hmm. that you can talk about beyond just feeling scared. You can have you know get out right and oh can, yeah. It can be scary because it's scary, but also just what it's the the subject matter in and of itself is also kind of pretty terrifying. So I think there's there's all all of that. For me, I, I come to horror very sideways because I'm a bit of a chicken. Okay. Um, I have to admit, but I think that's good because it means I can really I'm like, you know, Scott will be like, is this scary? And I'm like, yes, it's sort of like if you if you're so good with spice that you can't even taste the spice anymore. And oh, like, right, right, that's right. Hot. Yeah. That's hot. Um, so I my my sort of way in has always been actually through, again, with the kid lit and stuff, uh, adventure books and these sort of life and death situations. And um, a lot of a lot of children's movies have horror moments you know people talk especially about the second wizard of oz but even the first one but the return to oz is an absolutely yeah. terrifying film <laughs> um but technically not a horror film right? right but it had a lot of horror tropes you've got you know a woman who's switching out heads it's you know the electrocution stuff at the beginning um and but even the wizard of oz uh the the, the wicked witch of the west uh, and the flying the monkeys actress, and that yeah. was infamous like 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 Children were terrified of her as an actor from that point on. So I come in from from that direction of things because I I was always very, very scared. But I realized as I was getting older that I was accidentally consuming horror and I didn't realize it. So a a lot of it is in the Jurassic Park or Jaws or Alien, you know, the an animal attacking a person style horror. I really enjoyed Um, (laughs) that sounds wrong, Um, but I did. So I sort of came came from that that world, and then I I've I've gotten more into more you know, but there are certain types of horrors that still really freak me out. Um, and I'll tell you, filming it and writing it doesn't make it any better. I was in a no? horror movie. <laughs> I was in a horror movie for sci-fi, Never Knock, and I was in the the makeup chair for five hours getting this so my character had burned alive in a car accident i was mm-hmm. the character's mom and then it's like a horror thing so she sees gets visions and i show up and stuff so i'm like you know no hair bald cap the whole body is burned and char you know like uh, incredible makeup and it was so fun just to watch the makeup artists work um and also often when you're called onto set you're sitting around for hours and hours and hours until they need you i was there in the chair and then on set right away because i was there for five hours anyway the first day of shooting after they took everything off and I got home at like six in the morning because of course so much horror is overnight, yep. including ours. Devil comes at night, 13 days in a row, overnights. That plays with your brain. Um, I got home at six in the morning and I felt this feeling of dread just in my body. And you know, I like sort of that weird shaky and pit in the stomach. And then I realized it was because I was scared of myself. 
I was looking at yourself. (laughs) I had looked at myself for so long in that mirror, like getting the, I had scared myself. So for some reason, even knowing the behind the scenes stuff does not make me less of a wuss. And it's so funny that you like, I I like that you talk about that because I've, you know, you read so many stories about like, you know, actors getting stuck in roles and it's really the only job where you change who you are basically uh, and it's, it's so much it's fun. gotta be <laughs> is there an part of it is it exhausting i feel like i feel like those days where i don't want to talk to people but i have to because <laughs> of work and you're like hey uh, and at the end of the day you're like i'm so exhausted just from putting up that front like is it physically well, actually, that, that is actually a really interesting question i think uh, when you're at sort of like doing a professional, like if you're doing theater or film and, and everybody around you is a pro- professional and you're all career artists, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a little different because you are showing up for work. So people do give you your space. And I think you do as an actor sometimes because like some of the scenes between um, uh, Ryan and I, uh, Ben and Amy, there's some pretty emotional things that happen and these big emotional beats. And sometimes you you need space to just get there and to process it or just the two of us working together on lines even, you know? So generally you're, people understand what is being asked of you, but there is what I think is more interesting is that you, you will be left alone. And then suddenly you're like on, especially with film. It's like I said, most often you get called to set. You're not in the chair for five hours. You're maybe in the chair for 20 minutes. You go back to the trailer and then you are not needed. I have, I showed up at like 5 p.m. My call was 5 p.m. I wasn't on set once. This is a different, uh, different movie. The movie Wolves, uh, directed by David Hayter. Um, I, I was, wasn't on set until like four in the morning. Oh, geez. And so I have makeup and hair and pretty stuff. So it's yeah. not like you want to get it met. Like, okay, it's, it's gross. So it's fine. If it's a bit messy, but it was just, no, I have to, but I'm there overnight. And I'm waiting and waiting. And then they call you and you are on. So that immediate switch, I think, can be, I think, one of the biggest challenges. And I think what most actors feel um, and coming at it, you know, from now the producing side and also just watching Scott um, and being very, very close, yes, again, living and working in, in this in this space, the crew and the, the people behind the scenes are working so hard and such long hours and you're maybe bored in your trailer but if you aren't ready to go the second you're on set like you're you your job as an actor is to be ready when they need you because those people have been working for hours and hours and hours prepping absolutely everything um and it's only respectful as an actor to be like all right i'm here i've got my lines down let's go because right now I'm probably the least important cog in this machine. Sort yeah. Of thing. Yeah. So kind of circling back to uh, devil comes at night and with such a small crew, I'm assuming there were some special effects and just curiosity. What, what did you use as a human substitute for <laughs> scenes where they were eaten? Oh my goodness. Well, um, it was like, I don't want to give all our tricks away, but uh <laughs> Uh, some of it's uh, real uh, latex and sort of our, our a wonderful uh, makeup artist and VFX uh, artist, uh, Jenna. Uh, so you would have, um, 
fake skin and fake flesh. And then uh, sometimes for wounds and things like that, sometimes that was post and we add, would add it digitally. Afterwards. Uh, digitally. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes we would add um, like we would have tubing with air, like for squibs and blood shots and things like that. And then sometimes we would just come over to our amazing VFX artist, Avi, and be like, Avi, more blood, man. More. <laughs> it's actually, it, honestly, it's, it's, it was really interesting watching Avi do like, cause we did have some pretty decent, you know, wounds and makeup um, done. But again, going back to the time thing, uh, and and our and and all the restrictions we had on us. Once in camera, once we saw the result, we're like, oh no, we need it to be even gorier, right? But we didn't have a chance to sort of look in camera, then go back. You know, it was a quick fix. So watching what Avi does and seeing how nat, like how just like it looks real. And I know this is dumb because I watch a lot of movies, and every movie has VFX in it, and I watch a lot of big action, you know, greens. I, it just blew my mind thinking about how many shots I must see when I'm watching a movie that even I, who has some sense of knowledge of this, you know, this field, don't even realize have been touched, you know, because mm -hmm. some things just are small and they, they feel like they would be totally in camera. But you, you're you like, no, it's it, wow. It's just so impressive what they can do. I don't know. I'm just saying I'm impressed. Yeah. I no, guess. I mean, it, and I think some I think the best visual effects are the ones you don't even notice. And yeah. I remember I was listening to some commentary that was, um, I don't remember if, if it was Ron Howard or the effects guy for Apollo 13. Mm. And there's one scene where like Tom Hanks is daydreaming and he has like the gold uh, mask over his uh, face shield in, in the, the helmet. And he like slides it back and you can see like the reflection of the, the, the flag and in the, the glass of his helmet and it, it's kind of an innocuous scene it is what it is and the whoever the commentary is with is like yeah there's no glass there like that's all digital the reflection's digital and i blew my mind because i'm like <laughs> at no point would you ever even stop to think about it i'm like those are the best effects that seems like it's there yeah yeah 100 i think that's always the goal is like it's not about the, you never want it to be that the audience be thinking about the the VFX. You always just want to be telling the story and kind of like the example I always go back to is like, uh, we wanted to gore up uh, someone's arm that was uh, all, like chopped up. And uh, our VFX guy, Avi, was like kind of experimenting, playing with different options. And it was just literally like, if I do too much, it's going to stand out. So, but if I just add a little bit of fat in like where the cuts are, like in the human arm and like, <laughs> oh God, yes, 100% grotesque, but perfect. Do it. Like, and I think just those little touches, it uh, just make it look real, but don't make it look too good. Like where it's like, it's about nothing, but, oh, what a cool effect. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Do you know how difficult it is to be a wuss and to have your husband call you in and go, all right, Avi has sent a few options. Can you look? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, I did because I'm a good teammate, but uh, no. <laughs> have you ever had nightmares from a role or something that you've worked on? I, I have. No, I haven't. I will say okay. that there is enough divide. The closest would be that story I told you where I came back home um, and I felt really funny. I'm like, why do I feel like this? Um, yeah, no, that I think I think 
I think that's it. Yeah. No, I haven't. So that's at least something. That's at least a good thing. But I will say sometimes, oh, now I can't think of an example. So I'm just going to, I have had nightmares where I'm like, ooh, I'm going to use that for something. Yeah. So I, I have sourced my own subconscious. Scott, do, do you get creeped out by anything? Are you kind of that eat spicy food so much that you're just like, yeah, that was really scary. Oh, I, 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 um, I get creeped out all the time. There's so much good horror coming out. Um, what I love though, is that uh, like, I, I definitely am the kind of guy who's like, I've seen a lot of horrors, so it's not the easiest thing to creep me out. So that makes it extra special when it happens. I just, I really love it. It makes it, uh, it makes it a wonderful moment for me. Um, and I think there's just so much good stuff coming out right now, especially like in the indie world and overseas and uh like it's it's a great time to be a horror fan <laughs> yeah um gonna like plug something for myself a little bit here we're actually because we do so many things and um one of my favorite things to do is to help other people start something mm-hmm. and uh so local guys started america's hometown horror it's a podcast where they talk about horror movies and review horror movies and haunted attractions and whatnot and uh, so this year we're we're collaborating with a local brewery and we're doing a, a horror convention oh, at Mayflower Brewery. So we're calling it a uh, hometown haunts and hops. And, oh, that's uh, so good! Yeah, these are my two favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, hit me up. We'll we'll talk. I um, love that. Yeah, but we're yeah. trying to bring in some guests, and, and it, it's really coming together, and it's so exciting. And people are so passionate about horror that. You know, way back in the day, I used to own a comic book shop and I would do comic cons and I would do horror conventions and horror conventions were always my favorite. Mm-hmm. Everyone was happy. Everyone was having fun. Weirdly, that wasn't always the case at comic cons, but like everyone had like this just unbridled passion for being there and like sharing. You know, oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. horror fans are just my favorite people. Like they're so creative. They're so passionate. And if you just look at, um, like a lot of genres have struggled in the indie world um, over the years, but the one consistent has been horror. Like, like it's funny. Me and my friend Todd, who is also the uh, he's a fight choreographer, and he, he did the fights on The Devil Comes at Night. We both just are constantly sending each other like the newest horror we found, and like we watch everything. It doesn't matter the budget. It's just like so fun and creative and and, and interesting. Like I, I I genuinely love it. I also think horror fans, I, I mean, I, again, there's a lot, uh, there are so many amazing fandoms, but, um, but I think what's so fascinating about horror fans is they're so much more open in some ways to the indie-ness of things. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. horrors, like, I don't know, maybe because it people are like, why would you want to scare people? Maybe it's because it's such a, you know, the, the, the step, the black sheep of the family, the little stepchild or whatever. But I, it's really great that they, that people will watch a low budget. They will watch really anything. And as long as they like the story, it's like, yeah, okay, maybe that effect wasn't a hundred percent or, or maybe, you know, okay, I can see the wires or, you know, yeah. whatever. There's they, they, such an open heart to it that if they will, you know, they will just enjoy it for, for what it is. And I think that's not something we always, we get a lot of, you know, gatekeeping in, in fandoms, I, I think. And, and it's, it's, quite the opposite it's like now i'm picturing like the gates of hell everyone's welcome <laughs> you know just this open flaming gate but but they uh, do they really do kind of take that like almost into 
almost reverse kind of being like they did such a good job for a budget of yeah you know? exactly. yeah it's, it's really it's it's a it's amazing and and even you know like like you 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 see it in 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 reviews even in in professional places there's just i don't know there's just such a lovely openness um to the to the art because it is an art <laughs> So I'm going to steal a question from a, a favorite podcast of mine. And I feel like you guys are the right people to ask because I, I love the um, antagonist in your uh, movie as cannibals. Um, so there's a, a podcast called Monster Talk. They've been guests on our show before. And so they always ask, what's your favorite monster? And I've always in my head been like, ooh, what's mine? And mine is always humans. Humans are the most horrific thing. So that's why I love that you guys are cannibals. But what are your favorite monsters? Oh God, that's such a that's a tough one. I that's mean, that's like a who's your favorite kid, right? <laughs> no, totally, because you love them all so much. I mean, do you go with like really creative, like the thing, which was just so fun and like cool, like because it was like it never had a shape, you never really get a sense of what it looks like, and of course the practical effects were just so cool. Or like, do you go with more like humans because the true monster is within us all, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's so tough. Um, Adrian, you go first. I was oh, gonna say, I feel on. like I've ruined Adrian's night because you're um, gonna come out and be like, oh, you know what I should have said? <laughs> your greatest fears, Adrian. Um, well, no, I, I think yeah. God, let me oh, let me just pour my soul out here. Um, all right, so when you're talking about like humans are like the greatest, I, I, I uh, monster of them all, you know, kind of. And I, I actually think it's really funny because the kinds of horror that I find very, very difficult for to watch that just sit in my soul and I, I have nightmares about um, are twofold. There's there's um, paranormal um, because I'm just like, where is it going to come from? Like my, my brain can't handle that. There's no yep. logic. I'm a very logic oriented person. Um, but the other one is uh, is the people one is is serial killers is I am like I am I know women are supposedly love their true crime podcasts not me because it freaks me you're out you're the only one um, I'm the one <laughs> I'm the one um, but it's um, I I definitely feel that so my my issue is that that scares me so much that I find it hard to even enjoy such a film so I think going back to what I said about sort of entering horror from the side I'm super into the the animal stuff. So I'm like Jaws, you know, literally the shark. Uh, mm -hmm. We we just rewatched it just for fun a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, mm -hmm. I know Spielberg keeps talking about it. He's like, oh man, the shark doesn't look so great these days. I'm like, I think it still looks amazing. Like, I don't know, because sharks kind of don't look real. Like that looks amazing to me. Um, I would say probably for baby Adrian, like the velociraptors in the first Jurassic Park were like, kind of like... The they absolutely were villain yeah. and that scene oh God, yeah. in the kitchen um became my absolute favorite and that's where i realized oh maybe i do like being scared um i do i like i like you know an alien like i like all the things i've already named um the thing is interesting because it's just so gross <laughs> that it's hard to walk um uh but the dog um at the beginning best actor in a horror movie oh my um, god what a great dog yeah. actor so yeah so that's my wishy-washy answer to that question now it's your turn scott it's it's back to you yeah, you've had I guess, time i guess for me i'm gonna say um i don't know if you call it the hotel in the shining but <laughs> all that encompasses because it's okay. just so upsetting and you just feel like you are trapped with this family alone except you're not 
in this like evil building full of ghosts. So I guess it's sort of a haunted hotel sort of thing, but that is by far my favorite monster because the hotel is almost this living being with its own will. Yeah. And mm -hmm. yeah, I so that one was another part for me. I was also going to say, like, I totally agree with you, which is a good thing because, you know, we have to hang out later. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, literally we're I, just in two separate rooms right now. I know. Yeah, he's just like right over there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the podcast, you can't hear the echoes of our voices. Um, but I am. Um, I what well, it's so interesting because one of the things that Stephen King, you know, took so many issues with with the. Um, the, the Kubrick uh, Shining, right, was one of them was that the hotel was so not aesthetically how he had in his brain. And evidently in the 90s miniseries, that's a lot closer to what he had thought. But I just find that so fascinating because I'm so agree with Scott that literally the decision to use those interiors and to completely change that aesthetic and make it that massive sort of cavernous space is a freaking brilliant choice. And I, I think in a in an interesting way, it's sort of similar to like, <laughs> oh God, not comparing us, us, us to, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that like, where we were like, let's the film, the devil comes at night. <laughs> <laughs> let's flip the, um, you know, the people trapped in a cabin situation, right? And give us the challenge of how do you make it scary when people are trying to get you out of a space where you're safe and they can't, yeah. you know, come in. Um, I think it's interesting to make such a cavernous, modern, clean, attractive. Again, it looks dated to us because it's older, but right. very contemporary aesthetic space, creepy versus the, the older hotel, which is what I think King was initially writing with like this, like darker interiors and the Gothic, you know, and the wood and, and all of that. I actually think that that's quite an incredible feat to make a brightly lit, large space so terrifying <laughs> and, and it's so it's such a huge space in such a wide open space but still yeah. feels claustrophobic exactly yes. yeah yes. yeah so uh devil comes at night june 6th it's out um on vod right yes correct yes uh, correct. <laughs> i wrote notes correctly um uh and that's pretty much everywhere you can stream movies yeah. i would assume nice yeah so thank you guys this was a lot of fun i appreciate you yeah. guys coming on yeah thank you thank for you having us yeah and uh anytime you guys have stuff feel free to reach out and uh we'll awesome. uh, can't wait to see what you guys are working on next yeah books or whatever thank you very like, much yeah. awesome. very very fun <laughs> awesome and for our listeners i uh, will see you guys again next monday and thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.